Live from Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat on Strathclyde Fusion. Welcome to another episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a fail, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, a couple of tech issues, but we're fine. Uh, yeah, we're coming to you live from 14 stories up above Glasgow, and it's a beautiful cloudy day as well as we uh, bring you another new episode. Now, let's. Uh, I am your host this week, the King of Kayfabe, the modern day Maharaja, uh, David Hockney, and I have a elite panel of legendary panelists who are worthy of, let's say, a Hall of Fame inductee. At first, we've got uh, the. The man who has listened to Braun Strowman's How I Got Over song over a hundred times already, it's the Fury of Fife, Nathan Fisher. Oh, how did you know that? How did uh, you know that? Oh, you're a fan of Braun Strowman, aren't you? <laughs> I, I guess I am now, yeah. Alright, uh, now we've got a couple of uh, debuting panellists this week. First off, uh, he is now making his debut to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. He's the second most famous Ross on a wrestling podcast. We'll call him our set-piece king. It's Ross McLeod. Oh, I'd love to hit with a wet retort, but I'm too rough for that, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, well, uh, Ross, welcome to the show. It's uh, good to have you on board. Cheers. Uh, and next to him, we have a man who uh, was walking with Elias, got lost and ended up here. Uh, all the way from Glorious Dundee, it's Mr. Gary Cumming. Say hello, sir. Yeah, hello. How are you doing? Uh, well, good to have you on board. Are you excited? Not as excited as walking with Elias, but we'll see how it goes, yeah. <laughs> Alright, and of course, last but not least, we have a man who claims he can go as long as Seth Rollins in a gauntlet match, but realistically it's more like the Warlord in a Royal Rumble. It's Stephen Wilson. Can I correct you and say that Ross has been on a podcast before? Oh, Mr. Hockney. Well, he's not been on our podcast before, has he? Yeah, he has. Oh, has he? Yeah, he has. It shows how good I was that you've remembered that. <laughs> I haven't hosted this show yet, give me peace, so give me a bit of leeway on this. But yes, you are now the second most famous Ross. Uh, we'll just put you at that, okay? <laughs> now, uh, today's theme, we'll be discussing the accolade that most WWE superstars dream of. It's considered the highest accolade in all of professional wrestling. It's uh, the WWE Hall of Fame. So over the next uh, 90 minutes, we'll be discussing the highs and lows of the Royal Rumble, some of its notable inductees, and of course, everything else in between. But before we get stuck into the conversation, I'd like to kick off with something that occurred on Monday Night Raw this week, because... Uh, as being a stats guy myself, I decided to throw a few stats in there straight away. So, Monday Night Raw this week actually broke a 54-year-long record for the longest wrestling match in WWE history. So, in case you haven't watched Raw, there was a seven-man gauntlet match featuring all the participants from this Sunday's Men's Elimination Chamber match. And it went down as the longest wrestling match on Raw and in WWE history. What? Actually, no, just on Raw, my mistake. Um, but yeah, the match itself lasted 1 hour, 46 minutes, and 55 seconds, which is insane. That's basically two-thirds of a Raw broadcast. And 
kudos especially goes to Mr. Seth Rollins, who lasted one hour and five minutes uh, on his own. Now that, in its own, is the longest uh, amount of time wrestling any Raw superstar has competed in in the history. Uh, if you exclude like uh, Iron Man matches, for example, uh, because those were on pay-per-view, of course. But yeah, Rollins on Raw, longest uh, stint in Raw history. So kudos to that. The previous record was actually held by a Hall of Famer himself, Bruno Sammartino. It was in August 1964, he was defending the WWF Championship against Waldo Von Erich, and that match lasted 81 minutes. So it's quite a substantial record-smashing match. Uh, but yeah, that gauntlet match lasted longer than any Royal Rumble, Iron Man match, and MSG main event. So, I mean, if you haven't watched it, just go see it. Rollins is an absolute Iron Man in it. What did you guys think of it? Uh, he has a beast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Great. Be be better than the beast. No, he's amazing. Better than yeah, the beast. He has quality. Yeah. A lot of people give bad props to Cena and Reigns for wrestling, but they put on clinics with Rollins in both matches, so oh, yeah, fair no, point to them as well. I mean, just the first two, 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 three matches took over an hour, so I mean, that's that's really quite something in itself. But yeah, anyway, that's not why we're, we're here today. Today we're going to discuss the WWE Hall of Fame. So, to go back to its... Uh, Let's go back to the beginning when it was originally uh, originally announced. Uh, the date was 22nd of March 1993 on an episode of Monday Night Raw. They decided that WWE would announce their first ever inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame. And the man who was inducted, the very first one, was none other than Andre the Giant. So what, I'd like to open up to the panel just now. What do you guys uh, remember about Andre the Giant? First memory I had of Andre was through WWF No Mercy on the N64. Uh -huh. Survival mode. Very hard to unlock. Yeah, you can, <laughs> yeah. can never do it. Can never do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't really comment as far as back as No Mercy. I started playing the games around SmackDown vs. Rob. He was also in that as well. Mm -hmm. but yeah, he stood at yeah. 7 foot 4, 520 pounds. He was an absolute colossal size of a man. He dubbed as the 8th wonder of the world, I believe, as well. Hailing from Grenoble in the French Alps. But yeah, um, he also had a tag team with Haku in the Colossal Connection and a dubious WWE Championship title reign which only lasted a day involving uh, a, a DiBiase bribe and some plastic surgery involving the Hebner brothers, just to name a few. Uh, but nowadays, his legacy lives on in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania, started uh, just uh, shy of four years ago and his name's been synonymous with WrestleMania ever since. Uh, but yes, uh, the Inception itself, you know, it just occurred on an episode of Raw, but since then it's really come leaps and bounds of how it's uh, being treated as a big deal. Uh, but yeah, the in its first first few years, we're talking around sort of the mid-90s, between 1993 and 1996. Uh, the ceremony for 1994 to 95 was in conjunction with the, uh, those years' King of the Ring tournaments. Which kind of makes sense because you're appreciating wrestling royalty while also creating a new King of the Ring in the form of modern day royalty. So it, it did pose quite an ideal ideal theme, I believe. Uh, but in 96, uh, it actually was uh, held, held along with the Survivor Series event. And at that point, it was held in front of a paying audience as well as the, the superstars themselves. And that's kind of what set the tone for future Hall of Fames to come. But it wasn't uh, 1996. Unfortunately, was the uh, the the last year before it went on hiatus, uh, before bringing it back. So, just to go through a couple of the the 90s uh, inductees, 
We have, uh, of course, we mentioned Andrew the Giant. We've also got Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, the first ever uh, WWE or the first ever recognized WWE champion from 1963. We've also got Gorilla Monsoon, George the Animal Steel, the Fabulous Moolah, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, Pat Patterson, and of course, Vincent J. McMahon, or Vince Sr., as it were. I'm, I'm sure as the show goes on, we'll probably talk a bit more about some controversies, but that, they are stellar lineups. Mm. The, the first few ones, it's hard to pick out a bad mm. name in any of them, you know. Yep. Uh, any of you guys, uh, any names I haven't mentioned yet that were notable uh, for being in the early Hall of Fame? I'm looking at the sheet now. I'm pretty sure you're hitting the nail with a hammer here. It's, um, I think at the start, obviously, with Onridge being announced as the first inductee of the Hall of Fame, from there, they needed to go strong. They needed to make sure that it caught the eye. And as you said, people started paying in 1996. So they needed to have a strong lineup. And I'm pretty sure it paid dividends. Like with the lineup, as you said, some of the former champions, legends that you've rattled through. Well, they've got pretty much. If you look at the round about the 90s, you was managers were synonymous with wrestling. In each of these years, you've got probably three of the greatest managers to ever grace WWE or wrestling. And Freddie Blassie, the Grand Wizard, and. Captain Lou Albano, of course, three fantastic managers. So that's Nathan, a, a stellar in its own right. Nathan Ross, uh, any flashbacks from the nineties? Any notable names you'd like to, to mention? No, I, honestly, until a couple of weeks ago, I didn't know we had a Hall of Fame in the nineties. I thought it started in two thousand four. <laughs> you thought it was originally two thousand four. Yeah. Well, you learn something new every day, so that, that's why you're here. Nathan, any any comments? I remember, um, like looking back on the the network. Uh, Got the Hall of Flame, uh, Hall of Flame, Hall of Fame flashbacks. <laughs> uh, it was very much very more exclusive type setting, like banquet style as opposed to now. Uh, yeah, because I mean back then, you know, it was uh, it was treated as a very sort of <clears throat> big deal. Because I mean, looking at the 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 original one in 1993, only one inductee. I mean, that just shows how how prestigious it was. But then. As the years went on, you, they were starting to induct maybe six or seven people in at once. Well, they did start it because of Andre. Andre was the main reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously because he just passed away yeah. uh-huh. many months before that. Yeah, not only was he the first inductee, but he was also the first posthumous inductee. I.e., he was inducted after he passed away. So he sadly passed away January 1993 and was inducted two months later. So I think it was a very, uh, very suitable way to remember him as and, a as a superstar. There's a different setting from what you get nowadays. I mean, Nathan, mm. I said in the 90s was a bit like a banquet style. Nowadays, we've got this whole big stage style, but pretty much he just got he got a video on Raw. Yeah, uh, and that minutes. was pretty much about it. It yeah. was yeah. shown as a, just a, a general sort of video package. Uh, but uh, again, that's kind of what sort of sets the bar when you're bringing in a Hall of Fame into a promotion. You kind of have to just sort of start with a foundation, and then as it gets more and more prestigious, you just have to to work your way up. And I think on our episode of Raw, I think that was a good way to introduce it. You know, give it a little low-key nod, but then as people become more synonymous with it, they think, okay, let's uh, let's amp it up a bit. Let's make it more glamorous, and we'll get more people in. But yeah, just to go through a few of the uh, the other names here, the first ever women inducted was the fabulous Mula in 1995, inducted by uh, Alundra Blaze. Uh, in case you don't know who Fabulous Mula is, basically she's the longest reigning. Uh, women's champion in history. She held the belt for a record 28 years, which I mean, I mean, I, I, if, you, if you thought Asuka's streak was streak was big, I mean, this was this was unreal. She was the other woman with Mae Young in the Attitude Era. How <laughs> <laughs> could we forget the other old one? How <laughs> could we forget our uh, banterous discussion with about Mae Young on last week's episode? Well, that was brilliant. <laughs> But yeah, Fabulous Mula, four-time women's champion overall, and of, her, of course her first reign lasting that ever-long 28, 28 years. 
just uh, to discuss this last year before it went on hiatus, there was like a lot of uh, a good names. Like Stephen, you mentioned Captain Lou Albano, who was of course a one-time WWF United States Tag Team Champion. Uh, he led 13 different tag teams to a record 17 tag team titles and four singles wrestlers to various championships. So, I mean, the caliber of careers that these people have put on, you have to have a, a really big list of accolades to be considered for, uh, for a Hall of Fame induction. Like, uh, some of them, the other one as well is Pat Patterson. Uh, he was the very first uh, Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion, one-time AWA World Tag Team Champion, and he held over 20 <clears throat> NWA Regional Championships. So, I mean, just thinking about that, you know, that kind of sets the, 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 the tone, as it were, for how how prestigious these people are in terms of their wrestling careers. Oh, and uh, just as another side note, uh, because we're a few weeks away from the removed from the Royal Rumble, Pat Patterns has also been credited as the creator of the Royal Rumble, and which has become a stapled match uh, in the WWE itself. But as we sort of move from the 90s, it went on hiatus after 1996 for about eight years. But then it got uh, it got brought back in 2004 in conjunction with WrestleMania 20. Now this particular Hall of Fame wasn't broadcast at the time. It was held in the the Hilton Hotel in New York, uh, New York City. Uh, but then it was released on DVD two months later uh, as a sort of uh, bonus DVD, as it were, to sort of say, yeah, let's bring it back. Uh, how many how many of you re remember the the 2004 uh, Hall of Fame? Ross definitely remembers it's the first one he thought there ever was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see the way they're doing it now, uh, the way they've started in 2004. Well, it was a stellar class for the simple fact that they hadn't done it in, what, eight years at the time? Yeah, that's right, eight years. I think <laughs> it was a good class, but at the same time, I think it started problems, because how many big names can you induct every year? Yeah, no. I think that's kind of where, where one of the setbacks was, because that year... There was... It was the largest class, I think, in terms of size. Yeah, eight inductees that year. Uh, it, it, not including, no. like, celebrity or legacy mm. inductions. But yeah, I'll get to them and uh, we'll get we'll discuss them a bit later on. But, uh, you know, Ross, man, you mentioned the amount of star power you had in the, the 2004 one. Uh, just the, the names inducted that year, we had Greg the Hammer Valentine, Harley Race, Jesse the Body Ventura, Junkyard Dog, Sergeant Slaughter, Superstar Billy Graham, Tito Santana and of course Bobby the Brain Heenan. It was uh, it was quite weird as well because ever since then WWE have went with the angle of having uh, someone lead to the Hall of Fame, but that year it wasn't really a lead. It was just a case of yeah. they were all treated quite equally, mm -hmm. yeah. which was quite good. I mean, you probably wa people would watch and try to find who's really the standout name. Many people would probably say it would be Bobby the Brain or, or Sergeant Slaughter or Superstar Billy Graham, but they were all treated quite equally, which was which felt quite good as opposed to current years where. One, one gets a standout entrance, you know. Like they, they also uh, introduced the celebrity inductions as well that year. Uh, and 2004 went to the ever-popular Pete Rose, <laughs> who was most Pop famous... Popular? Yeah. He got booed out the Madison Square yeah. Garden. That <laughs> I, like, I liked Pete Rose. You say that, I say that with a, a hint of sarcasm. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think the only thing people remember him being in WWE for was when he got tombstoned by Kane. And funnily enough, Kane was the guy who inducted them into the, the Hall of Fame itself. Who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, who else could induct them? He's the only guy I ever interacted with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing with the celebrity uh, inductions as well. They always seem to be like inducted by the person they had a confrontation with. Which is a way to make it make sense. But yeah, no. Um, from It wasn't 2004. That was quite, a, like you said, a, quite a, a balanced class for that year. 
But uh, the following year, and from just about every other Hall of Fame onwards, we had that sort of leading figure to act as sort of the, the main <coughs> inductee. And 2000, for 2005, that person was Hulk Hogan. And now that was a pretty star-studded class in itself, because at the time WrestleMania was going, was going Hollywood. And so I think what better place to induct so many big names in the one place than, than Hollywood, because... In that year, you know, all of these guys could have been headliners in their own right because you had, it was the same year as Rowdy Roddy Piper, Cowboy Bob Orton, Jimmy Hart, Paul Orndorff, Nikolai Volkov, and the Iron Sheik. <laughs> I mean, who, hey, and I'm sure we all remember the Iron Sheik as well with his uh, crazy Twitter rants and YouTube videos even as well. His, even his speech was just crazy. Which is the Iron Sheiks? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Did he not have to be taken off about three times? He left three times and kept jumping back on the stage to finish his speech. <laughs> Mate, uh, I'm not sure I hadn't. I think it's been a while since I last saw that ceremony, but uh, I was watching the 2006 one uh, last night just to see like any any of the, like what was the best parts of, of doing that. You were talking about accolades earlier on the Under the Battle Royal. I watched the other night the 2001 gimmick Battle Royal won by the Iron <laughs> Sheik. Now that was an accolade in itself. Yeah, that, did that last just like a few minutes because... The entrances were double the yeah. amount of time as the match. It was... The, That's the, mental. The, the eliminations were very... There was one point in the match they go, man, these guys are getting eliminated quickly. <laughs> it's like one person gets thrown out, one person gets thrown out, one person gets thrown out. That was it. That's how quick it was. Stellar, that's the gimmick, so from nostalgia point of view, anyway. Yeah, I mean, who was, who was it else was in it? It was like Gobbledygooker was in it, uh, <laughs> Doink the Clown was Jim, in it. Jim Cornette was in it. Jim Cornette. <laughs> what, is, hey, what was his gimmick again? Just mad ranter? We had the, a Maha Rager, so to speak? We had the badminton racket, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brother good. Love was in it. Brother Love was in the final four. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and also... Uh, Moving into the 2000s uh, from the 90s, the concept of the Hall of Fame induction sort of changed as well because they had, it was presented obviously in front of the superstars and a paying audience who would pay tickets to, to see it as well. Uh, normally the inductees would receive uh, a commemorative plaque to say they've been entered into the Hall of Fame. They have a, a current superstar or uh, backstage personnel or even a celebrity to induct them, uh, give them a sort of introduction. And then they would deliver a speech uh, to the fans and all the other superstars telling of stories they've had on the road or anything in particular. Do you think that's quite a quite a good idea? Like, you receive, like, a plaque and then, you know, it's almost like an award ceremony in a way. It is an award ceremony, is it not, really? Uh, I think it's recognising. It's like is those, um, it's like the landmark awards you get, like the NTAs. Or uh, maybe like a fellowship award at yeah. the the BAFTAs. Yeah, it's like a thing. lifetime achievement. That's mm. what that's what the Hall of Fame is really. Like, not it's, just it's just a whole this is the whole series of uh, lifetime achievements throughout uh, throughout the career. Uh, but then obviously, as we moved into the two thousand like the late two thousands two thousands tens, those plaques got exchanged and they became Hall of Fame rings instead. I believe it was from around 2008 onwards. The rings are a much better idea. Yeah, they're the pretty, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, out, out of you guys, like I'm guessing, just from the general uh, initial reaction, the uh, the consensus is you guys would prefer the rings to the plaques. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, what, I don't what, wear rings, but yeah, I'd rather have a ring. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. Actually, I would. Uh, I'd much rather prefer a ring than the. Uh, than the, than the plaque. It's more of a, a legit American sports thing, though, because you see it like it's the college footballers and the the basketball players. It's like, oh, my Hall of Fame ring, my championship no, ring. Exactly, yeah. 
Yeah, like it's never yeah. nobody ever goes. Oh, I've got six Hall of Fame plaques. This <laughs> <laughs> as well, especially with wrestling, where they've got the thing. Like obviously, the shield put their put, uh, put the fists in. Yeah. Every time I say, if you with the Hall of Fame rings, like, so imagine in twenty years time if the shields if the shield get inducted, then that looks got a better image to it than plaques. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and obviously you know the audience getting involved as well. Do you think that's a good idea? Because sometimes I've seen with the the problem with including really big audiences is that. You, you often get a lot of hardcore fans that tend to go to these sorts of events as well. And sometimes they can get a bit too involved and either shout over speeches or cheer as if they're actually at a, a live event. Do you think that's a good idea, having like actual paying customers in as uh, well? To be honest, no. It's yeah. the simple fact that... Uh, was it no Bob Backlund that wanted Maria Menounis uh, yeah. to induct him? Mm-hmm. Right, so that's his choice. He's the guy getting in mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame. It's his right to choose who... Just because you don't like her. Like just because she's not a wrestling personality, you know, it's his decision. Yeah. And she was getting booed at the building, and obviously people booed Donald Trump at a building nowadays anyway. Aye. But, you know, the simple fact was, in 2013, he did deserve a celebrity inductee for what he's done within the WWE. He shouldn't have been booed at the building either. Yeah. Don't really, I don't really think uh, booing's really got much of a place in the Hall of Fame to ceremony, to be fair. I mean, it granted does. you can boo, but it's kind of like... it's. I'm not really too sure about it. I mean, Roman Reigns was the one. When Rikishi got inducted, he got booed pretty badly as well. Did Cena not get booed at the building as well with Eddie Guerrero? He got booed every time he was there. Cena. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. So. 2005 wasn't too bad, though. Yeah, he was still kind of... He wasn't the guy. He was the, he then, was so the rising star yeah. about to, to defeat the top heel. And that was like... You had... What year was Lita inducted? Was it 2014? Uh, yes. The crowd started chanting CM Punk. It's like, this is a like, big moment. Like... Yeah, yeah be recognised for what she's done, and you know it's. I mean, yeah. it's different. It's, like it's, it's different. It's, thing, I think. Going back, maybe on my point, I made a minute ago. It's maybe different for people in the crowd, like obviously mm-hmm. Reigns and that. Day, but the actual people getting inducted, I mean, there's not really much point in yeah. doing mm-hmm. them. Yeah, well, it's their big moment. I mean, they've worked up for life for this. Well, but, I think that was what Chris Jericho was saying as well about it was at the Bushwhackers, and look, one of them's on crutches now. One of them can barely walk, and people were booing, saying, "Oh, it's you know they shouldn't be inducted." Like. The guy gave his life to wrestling. Exactly, the, guy's, yeah. the guy's in a wheelchair now mm-hmm. because he can't walk for all the bumps he's taking and people were booing him at the building. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a shame, really, because looking at from... Because I think in 2004, that's when it was in front of a paying audience as well and you had the superstars in the Hilton, which was obviously a much smaller venue. I think it was just held in like their, their grand ballroom or something like that. But as time progressed, the size of the venues that the Hall of Fame was being held in just kept getting bigger and bigger. Uh, like they they moved from obviously the Hilton hotel size to uh, a theater as well. There was the the Rosemont Theater the, the uh, in Chicago in 2006, mm-hmm. and but then from around sort of 2009 onwards, they they were able to fill out arenas that would generally host an episode of like Monday Night Raw, for example, and the superstars and all the backstage uh, people normally just fill the sort of the main floor. Which means you would also have the entire circumference of an arena filled with with cheering fans, and obviously you get more fans in. That causes more of a, a ruckus when they cheer, be all sparky and stuff. But um, but no, yeah, I have to to agree. I think the inclusion of audience members obviously they get excited, they shout out stuff that maybe people wouldn't want to say in front of a WWE camera. It's it's a bit of a tricky one, but you can't deny people wanting to see it and besides it creates them a bit more revenue which I think maybe that's why they increase the size of the, the venues Do any other Hall of Fames in any other sport allow fans in? I mean I'm not really too familiar Like do the NBA or the NFL Yeah they type of that? things also yeah. just kind of like 
Exclusive, yeah. Like, did it? Mm-hmm. Like the NHLs don't let them in. Yeah. Oh, how could I how could we get our EP Quacko? Yeah, I never got into that. <laughs> <laughs> right back, Stephen. Um, anyway, um, NBA they just inducted Kobe Bryant into the Hall of Fame, and they had at the Staples Center, and it was um, fully packed with all the fans and everything. So, yeah, it's a normal thing. Uh, yep. There you go. So, I mean, it is uh, it is possible to have uh, audience members uh, like paying fans. To see the Hall of Fame. Is it a good idea though? Just get a first sort of vote of the night. So we'll go around the panel. Nathan, is it a good idea having audience members join in? No. Ross? No, definitely not. Gary? I'm on the fence here because I think we're viewing it from like a British perspective where most, like, I mean, obviously, a sports personality of the year, which has got a crowd and then they're quite respectful. I think in America, it seems to be like the status quo that it's a big thing and it's their big moment so therefore they get a big audience so in that respect yes but you, you get some of the wrestlers who are commemorated and like managers and so on and so forth that might not be as well known with the current generation like you've had over the last couple of years superstars that have been in the 60s and then they're in the hall of fame and then the crowd chant over it because they don't actually they're not they don't familiarize themselves mm-hmm. they prefer like the ones that have recently <coughs> You know like your Kurt Angles and your Stings over recent years over the ones who like even Bruno San Martino I don't think got the respect that he deserved. Um, I'm going to side towards no, but I can empathise with the people who do agree with it because I do believe that we are seeing it from British eyes. Right. Uh, Stephen, yeah, I completely agree. Actually, what Gary said there, I mean, you're getting swayed to it in a way, but uh, yeah, I would probably say no personally. I don't think based purely on what the type of fan reactions we get at previous events. Yeah, and like like I said, you know, we have it's mostly diehard fans that tend to go to these events. I don't know whether because obviously from like uh, 2004 onwards, it was conjunction with WrestleMania now rather than any other event. Yeah, but they get their their big night the next night. They do like a five minute segment at WrestleMania. Yeah, and they all get to come out in front of you know sixty, seventy, eighty thousand mm. people. So. Like, like we were saying, it's a big moment in front of a crowd, but, you know, they get that the next night, and it's a much, much bigger crowd anyway. Yeah, but uh, with that being said, of course, you, you kind of have to give these people the the chance to really sort of tell their story, pour their heart out, to say thank you to them for allowing them to have such an amazing career. I think that what really sort of spoils it, though, I think, again, it comes back to... Uh, people trying to be smart, trying to people people trying to be funny and get away with saying stuff that normally wouldn't be getting away with on TV. I think that kind of defeats the the purpose of it a bit. I think that's why, obviously, they've started now that she's passed away. They've started mentioning China more on TV. Yeah, but you're just wary of putting her in the Hall of Fame because of you know the things you've done outside of wrestling. You know, because pe- people are smart. Aye, we <laughs> they, <laughs> exactly. They say, no, no, but it doesn't matter what what Vince wants you to think. We are smart. Yeah, with the fact that fans know these things you know what chance would China get you know even though she does you know for what she did just in wrestling she does deserve a Hall of Fame induction oh absolutely yeah I think there's no doubt about it but obviously you know with her most like her last few years uh, before she passed away it wasn't the most uh, glamorous lifestyle shall we say Uh, but yeah just uh, just don't google her that's all I'd say (laughs) because you might find some disturbing results (laughs) Uh, but yeah um just to re- sort of move on from just the general concept, I'd like to pick out a few names from the 2000s as well because that's when we really got some star-studded inductees. Because uh, we mentioned the 2004 year, it was they were all very much big names in their own right with no particular headlining. 
headliner uh, names. But from 2005, obviously, we had Hulk Hogan being his sort of the um, the main sort of headliner, the person who gets inducted last on the night. Uh, some of the uh, the other headliners we had uh, the, in the years, we had Bret the Hitman Hart, we had the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, Nate, Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ted DiBiase, HBK Shawn Michaels, Edge, and Bob Backlund, just Mick, Mick Foley, just to name a few. Uh did Bob Backlund headline that one? No, I think that was Mick Foley, actually. Sorry. Was it not San Martino? Yeah. Was it San Martino? Yeah. San Martino, definitely. Oh, yeah, no, you're right, it was. My mistake. Uh, just got more orders Imagine on Bob there. Backlund headlining over San Martino. That's the 80s feud yeah. completely back, turned on its head. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Bringing back the, all the tension there. But, yeah, Bruno San Martino was uh, the headliner in 2013. My mistake. 2014, we had The Ultimate Warrior, who was uh, quite a, a notable inductee for various reasons, because he only passed away a couple of days later. R.I.P. Warrior. Uh, 2015, Kevin Nash. 2016, Sting. And most recently, last year's headline inductee was Kurt Angle. Was Nash the headline in 2015? Yeah, yeah, some over Savage. I can believe that. That was a shocking call. Because he was there. True, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) No, as horrible as that sounds, I think that's actually true. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean it to come out like that, but... Uh, oh. the, point, the point was made. <laughs> Gary Coleman, funeral director. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, would you have it headlined by someone who's not going to attend their own... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you're digging yourself Stop. a hole here. Stop. Go back to walking with Elias. <laughs> it's not as if he was in the garden. Oh, I can't make it, lads. I've got football that night. No, he was dead. <laughs> well, I, I, I recognise it's not negligence. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, stop talking. <laughs> Okay, right, back to where we were. Um, but yeah, uh, something notable as well, 2016-2017, uh, they all had five inductees, but from about, uh, let's see, uh, I think it was about 2012 to 2015, yeah, we had about at least six or seven. But yeah, do you think maybe around five five or six inductees one year is a good number to have? Yeah, because mm. I think they've got a they've got a formula at the minute, isn't it? It's the the headliner of the tag team. There's a woman. There's someone who's passed away, and then there's always like, I know it sounds weird. There's a woman. No, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's always somebody like say an Abdul or a Butcher or a Sting who never really wrestled in WWE, you know, or someone who made their career outside of WWE. Mm-hmm. There's always like that post post human. I can't even say the word now. Post post you miss, yeah. <laughs> Basically, after death. <laughs> but yeah, the celebrity wing, uh, just to go off topic from... Now, those numbers I was mentioning, you know, those were actual re- like wrestling superstars that were inducted. But the um, with the celebrity wing, Pete Rose obviously being the first in 2004. But it wasn't like a... like There, there wasn't one inducted every year until about 2010. Because two celebrities were inducted 2004-2006. And, but there was none uh, in between 2006 and 2010. Now, one got inducted uh, every year from 2010 up to 2016, but there was no celebrity inductee last year, funnily enough. So it's kind of like a, an on-off uh, induction, so to speak. I hate the celebrity one, purely because they induct the wrong people into it. Yeah, a bit, we'll, um, we'll discuss that in more detail a bit later on, because I think that's one of the uh, the one areas where it doesn't, um, it doesn't update on a, a regular basis. Uh, but yeah, just to name a few other names who weren't sort of headliners, but also, but very sort of notable names that were inducted. The first being, in 2006, we had Eddie Guerrero, the late, great Eddie Guerrero. I mean, 
well deserved or was it too soon to for how long he just how long ago he passed away I think it's it's something they do all the time like Eddie Guerrero obviously he passed away it's a shame but you know he he still had a Hall of Fame career he could have been inducted a couple of years down the line it's the same thing with Shawn Michaels and Edge mm-hmm. they weren't going anywhere and they were in good terms with WWE so what was the point you know the year after they retired just yeah, to get them back in don't drag it out yeah, just, exactly. let's just get them in straight away yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was um, Rey Mysterio said in his in the uh, the induction speech that he did with uh, Chavo and Benoit. He said, "I'm sh- I was sure at one point that somewhere down the line we'd be inducting Eddie, Eddie Guerrero into the Hall of Fame. We just didn't think it would happen so soon." See if they see if they'd left that a few years, he could have easily headlined the class. Oh, absolutely! But yeah. the fact he was in it 2006 had probably already made an agreement with Bret Hart for Bret Hart to headline that mm. year. So he was kind of felt like a wee bit of an afterthought. Yeah, it's the fact that he only died in October, and then WrestleMania was March. So yeah. it's yeah. less than a year. They also faced the, the like not even six months actually. Yeah, exactly. they could also face the potential backlash of him not being announced, and then the fans turning on <laughs> WWE saying mm. Eddie has to be in there, even with the agreement with Bret Hart who headlined that year. So that's probably why they'd done it to prevent anyone from disagreeing with their motive to do it whether yeah. he headlined or not he had his moment in the hall of fame i believe that was bret hart's first wwe appearance since uh the montreal yeah. screwjob as but well in a way he had to headline that class yeah absolutely yeah never appeared never appeared at wrestlemania that year right he was he was on he refused to in case he saw sean michaels <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah or vince for that matter well he was probably on better terms with vince than he was sean yeah. at that point oh, in time. De- probably Cl- yeah but yeah, he was inducted by none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin as well. So two big names. Uh, Imagine if they got Sean to induct him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that would be hilarious. But yeah, that's a, the the people that induct these people. You know, you, you would expect them to have some history, but not kind of negative history in a way. You know, that would be like, uh, well, I'm not sure Eddie actually had any sort of really bitter rivals like on or off the camera. I think he was generally liked by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but we discussed more about Eddie Guerrero in uh, in our very first uh, podcast episode uh, all the all these weeks back. And if you want to listen to that and amongst uh, other episodes we've recorded, you can follow us uh, on iTunes Podcasts if you're on an Apple device, or on Castbox FM if you're on PC and Android. Uh, we're also on FusionTakeover.com. We're on Twitter at Suplex Retweet, and be sure to give our Facebook page a like for all the great content uh, we deliver every week. Uh, if you want to, if you're listening right now and you want to add any Hall of Fame comments or thoughts, uh, post uh, to our Twitter page at Suplex Retweet and share your thoughts with us. Uh, but yeah, going back to the the sort of names, but weren't sort of headliners, notable inductees. Uh, the same year, Brett the Hitman Hart and Eddie Guerrero were inducted. We also had Mean Gene Okerlund, Sensational Sherry, and Mr. USA himself, Tony Atlas. Again, lots of big names, but you obviously, they all can't be headliners. Was it the right time for them to be inducted? Thanks. Well, Mean Gene in particular, yeah. yeah. I don't think, like, Mean Gene's a, a good character, but he wouldn't be a headliner. Like, I think it's no. nice to get him in the Hall of Fame. I'd put, I'd have put him in the same year <coughs> as Hogan, to be honest. Yeah. That was, so you would have... I think it was, uh, it wasn't Mean Gene that inducted uh, Hogan, actually. It was a bit of a shame. But no. funnily enough, it was actually Hulk Hogan who inducted Mean Gene. It was not Sylvester Stallone that did yeah. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, Sylvester daft. Stallone. So daft. <laughs> I don't get it. Did they have any? Did he have any interaction with Sylvester Stallone? Yeah, he was in Rocky. <laughs> Rocky, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I meant WWE wise, but okay. 
I thought you just meant in general. Like, have you not seen Rocky? No, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about interaction in WWE because that's kind of what the how it goes usually. So the Rocky movie meant more to him than in his entire WWE career. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it comes across. Right, moving on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, some of the names in 2007 as well. Jr. and King both get inducted mm-hmm. in the same year. Obviously, they've been an iconic commentary duo for years, so I think it would make sense to have them both inducted at the same time. No, we were talking about inductees there. Do you yeah. not see the story about Jerry Lawler? William yeah, Shatner. was it William Shatner that inducted yeah, him? But William Shatner kind of knew him. Like he'd met him like once mm-hmm. or twice. Uh-huh. And it, I think, did he not interview him in Raw? I think he had like a sort of brief interview with him, but it wasn't like a really stretched yeah. out angle. He wanted he wanted the commentator who was in Memphis Championship Wrestling. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, name I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I he wanted him, and they said, "No, he's not a big enough name." And Jerry's argument was, "Well, I'm not the headliner, so who does it matter who inducts me?" Mm-hmm. And it was basically a case of, look, we can get Shatner, suck it up. Shatner's <laughs> inducting you. Poor guy. Yeah, and J- JR, of course, gets uh, inducted by Stone Cold. So he get, only appropriate. Yeah, no one else could have. Been, very, no one else could have inducted. Them. They were very close in real life. So I mean, it, it's the only thing that makes sense. It's good that the commentators get into the Hall of Fame as well. Oh, definitely. I mean, you yeah. obviously get them, and you've got Gordon Soley and Gorilla Monsoon eight as well. Gorilla <laughs> Monsoon. You, you just know Michael Cole's going to get in there as well, though. Oh, he has to. He has to. Like, yeah. say what you want. He has to. I mean, he is a company man. He's been there for over twenty years. I think he may not be the most popular man on earth, but by God, he's a workhorse. See, I- I, I don't get the hate for Michael Cole. The hate is you're not JR. Well, nobody's JR. We've had about 40 commentators since. Mm. And there's been a lot, well, lot, lot worse than Michael Cole. J- so, I mean... Did JR yeah, probably have to deal Mike with Adamly. it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Nathan oh, beat me to it. Yeah, it's Mike Adamly. JR probably had to go through something similar with, obviously, Gordon Soley. Exactly. I mean, Gordon Soley was the, and it wasn't the first a, big hit face. Wasn't it as if Michael Cole just got brought in to replace JR? It was a simple case of Michael Cole was a backstage commentator. Mm. JR took seriously no well. So they took him off TV for a while. And Michael Cole was and sort Michael of the stand-in. Cole stepped in. I kind of like when Tom Phillips took care of Fimaru Nalo. It's yeah. no, you know, they, they were unwell. So, you know, it's kind of a case of, yep. look, this happened. But yeah, um, just before we go to a quick break, um, do we have any favourites, favourite inductees? Uh, just to say, these people th- absolutely deserve it and I'm glad they're in the Hall of Fame. Hogan, by a country metal, I think. You think, Austin yeah? for me. Austin for Nathan, Gary, any? Um, I mean, I, I would say Austin as well, but I, like, as you pointed out earlier, I do like how non-wrestlers get added to the list, like, mm. like Bobby the Brain Heenan being one of the standouts for me. Uh, same with Bobby, I, I thought his speech was brilliant yeah. as well. I, I quite like it when the, the ones who are not the headliners, obviously the ones who maybe don't quite get the same amount of credit but get inducted into it. I mean, Kurt Henning's one of my favourites as well, mm-hmm. obviously. My one's Mick Foley. passed away. My one's yeah. Foley and he got, he got the wee moment when he, he got to pin Jericho. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. It was a great moment. Uh, I think one of my favourites actually was Bret Hart because I remember I was watching it, the 2006 one last night and his segment alone went on for a good 45 minutes or so. Like He was... Um, Stone Cold talked to him, talked about him for a good 10-15 minutes. He came out and delivered a, a stellar, like, 35-40 to 40 minute uh, speech about the life and times he had on the road. And, you know, some of his, uh, his... He mentioned the Heart Dungeon, his brother, his family. He just seemed very, very humble about it. And he delivered it almost effortless, effortlessly. One of the biggest disappointments for me but was uh, that Undertaker didn't break character to induct Paul Bear. Yeah, mm. that's a bit of a shame. I thought it would have been good. Obviously, Kane had a lot of history with Kane. Who but inducted him? Kane. Uh, yeah, Kane right. inducted him, yeah. Yep, but again, again, Undertaker obviously came out and mm. honoured him, but mm. it would have been great to actually see him induct him. Uh, and I think that was also, that was another post-humous inductee the year before he sadly passed away. I think that was another one, though, again, like 
somebody that earned a Hall of Fame induction, but mm. like there was no rush. Yeah, he yeah, was. Again, um, you know, yeah. unfortunically, he's passed away, so he's not yeah. gone anywhere. So you know, let's yeah, iconic manager. You know, he's managed Undertaker, Kane, and Mankind as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think most people uh, remember him for such things as the the Concrete Crypt match from the Great American Bash. No one remembers that. No one remembers it. <laughs> in, a, in an iconic or, way. Or maybe people have chosen to forget. Of all, of all the it. moments that you could bring up on Paul Bearer, the concrete crypt's the one that comes to mind. Yeah. It's, it's what, sh- what about when he turned the Undertaker and hit him in the air? That was a good one. Yeah. Um, and when he locked himself inside the cell, he got involved in that sort of tag team Hell in a Cell match. That was uh, another good moment for him. But I think his voice in particular was very... Uh, it's very the most recognisable thing about him. He had this sort of really screechy, almost ghost-like voice, and I think it suited him quite well. Being obviously with these uh, demonic characters, well, Undertaker never spoke mm. for a good few years, so he was sort of pretending his voice, to, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like the most recognisable, vo- one of the most recognisable voices in all of the industry. But yeah, I think it's glad that Paul Bearer is in the Hall of Fame, despite all the the rubbish like the concrete crap match and stuff. I suppose you can now say. <laughs> I suppose you can say now his, his Hall of Fame legacy has now been cemented. That's plenty. Got him. Anyway, on that note, um, we'll take a, a short break and afterwards we'll be discussing more of the Hall of Fame's progression over time. We'll discuss more about the Celebrity Wing, the Legacy Award, and the now, uh, most recently, the, the Warrior Award as well. And the Hall of Fame itself isn't without controversy. So there have been a few low points about the ceremony itself. And so we've got that and more still to come later on. But if you want to join in the conversation, you can follow us at uh, Suplex Retweet. Be sure to like our Facebook page and give us a message if you're listening in live. So uh, enjoy and we'll see you back shortly. you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world destroy you? I am. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And everyone, everyone has a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> and that's the bottom line for Stone Cold Simpson. Shut 
wait a minute. What? Bobby Heenan. I'll what go in doing? there. No, no, no. no. Oh, yeah, yeah, I am. You were replaced. I were replaced? Yes, By who? Rob Bartlett, you're not. Okay, uh, by Rob Bartlett. This is Monday Night Raw, live from New York City, I'm and sorry. I've got to be in there to host it. No, 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 no. What do you mean, no, no? I'm sorry. What do you mean, I can't get in. I can get in. I can buy a ticket. They don't want me. I can buy a ticket. Left. If you're a man, you don't cry about it. You take life, the ups and downs. If you're a real man, you never go down. You just stay up. That's why the world judges. That's why this sport don't cost eight hundred dollars. And that cost 200. And I don't know what that cost, I just came to work. That's why I'm wearing lizard shoes and a Rolex watch. And I got a limousine stuck out there a mile long with 25 women just died for me to go. Woo! Because I'm the world champion sucker. Ladies and gentlemen, you're coming live from Eat, Sleep, Suplex retweet on Strathclyde Fusion. Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Today we're discussing the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, what you listened to there was a couple of uh, best moments and career highlights from all of these Hall of Fame inductees, such as uh, Eddie Guerrero, Mankind. And, of course, ending, ending with Ric Flair. All while the script's uh, theme song, Hall of Fame, is playing in the background. So, shout out to the script. It's a fantastic song. Uh, give them a listen. It's it's brilliant. So, so yeah. Um, coming into the second half now, uh, we in the first half we were discussing uh, the, it's the original Inception in the 90s, followed by its uh, revival in 2004, and just to name a few inductees to begin with. Uh, but now we're going to discuss its... Uh, continuous progression over time towards the end of the 2000s and into the 2010s. Now there have been uh, some changes made uh, from around 2014 onwards. Uh, so obviously as, as we discussed before 2014 was headlined by the Ultimate Warrior who was arguably the most uh, one of the most charismatic and recognizable characters from the from the 90s. Uh, but uh, uh, he sadly passed away a few days after his induction and he gave this uh, really big heartfelt speech about when he discussed uh, like uh, the day a man's heart stops beating uh, and it was it was really sad you know it was the way he was uh, discussing it it was uh, it was pretty uh, pretty sad so what are you guys uh, memories of the ultimate warrior I just remember him as the the rambling racist yeah. and homophobic. <laughs> I know it's no something to bring yeah. up, but I don't like the fact that the, we've got a warrior award. It's, mm. it, uh, it's you, beat me, you beat me to the punch there, yeah. It's fair enough. Dana Warrior saying, "Oh well, he forgave, you know, he forgave himself and he he, he was a changed person." Well, how do we know that? He never came out and said, you know, sorry for wishing cancer upon people, sorry for being a homophobe, sorry for being a racist gun nut, you know, right wing American, you know. <laughs> He was an absolute lunatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan, you, you, anything from you? I can't get off of that. I know. I was, uh, <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> I can't keep it off. <laughs> oh. Uh, I mean, yeah, he did some bad stuff in the time, but some. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll say some. Yeah. Uh, Gary, are you? Do you want to say something? Uh, speechless now, am I? Uh, <laughs> No, I don't really have that many memories of Ultimate Warrior as like an active competitor at the time. I just remember uh, Ultimate Bart, like the wrestling figure being the one that I really wanted, even though I never knew who he was when I was young, because he looked so cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But obviously, as I get older, wrestling fans become more intelligent. You find out. <laughs> he was also he was history making as well. First uh, first superstar to hold the WWF and Intercontinental Championships at the same time. See, it had a colourful gimmick. The crowd love him, but see, he would not have got over the same way nowadays. No. I mean, no. it had three moves or something. It's extremely difficult to work with. Apparently, it was uh, it was all detailed in. Uh, <laughs> uh, WWE was uh, they released a, they actually released a DVD themselves about the Ultimate Warrior calling it the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior I remember that actually. Yeah, I, I remember was watching good. that it was, <laughs> really, it, was, it was really good but yeah. it didn't take it very well yeah. the question I posed to you guys is was it true. was it justified or was it a bit of an overreaction I think it's well justified because I, I can't say it because we're live on radio you know? I can't say what it really is but I, it was justified you know Something else again that annoys me about him is the simple fact that Hogan's been blacklisted for stuff he said, you know, which, you know, terrible things he said. But at the same time, it's like, it's only a fraction of what Warrior said, and we've got a charity award, you mm. know, for, for Warrior. Like, yeah. It's just, it's complete yeah. stupidity. I think it's the whole, like, do you to, like, ties to be a star and stuff, yeah. and yeah, yeah induct Yeah, t- like times Warrior. have changed as well. I think it's well, the progression what of he said. the progression of the company over time as well. Because I think back in the 90s, people were a lot more sort of laid back about that sort of thing it was sort of like an acceptance saying oh yeah just people bully people have these sorts of opinions about life mm-hmm. and we just uh, at a time you know people would just sort of uh, just just let it happen almost and but, but obviously back then the company wasn't uh, running a an anti-bullying campaign it wasn't really PG specific like um, technically but yeah again if Ultimate Warrior was in around this day and age, he wouldn't last a week no. at most. So, sorry to say that. Well, look at the likes of look, Braun Strowman, who is incredibly over at the minute, and he's he's improved leaps and bounds in the ring over two years. But look at look at how bad he was, you know, not just two years ago. He yeah. had to improve, whereas Ultimate Warrior, you know, <laughs> felt for the simple fact that he was over, didn't have to improve. Uh-huh. It was, you know, five moves of doom, the original. <laughs> yeah, uh, but on the subject of the Ultimate Warrior, um, from 2015 onwards, uh, the Hall of Fame uh, introduced what was known as the Warrior Award, and that was something the Ultimate Warrior requested himself. It was uh, an award, well, WWE's um, definition of it is, a, is an award that exhibits the unwavering strength and perseverance who lives life with courage and compassion that embodies the indomitable spirit of the Ultimate Warrior, which I think is quite a good description of it, but... Um, it wasn't. It didn't quite come about the way I think Warrior wanted it to, because and this is where one of my first controversial points about the Hall of Fame comes in, because um, in his induction speech, the Warrior proposed the said special category, the Warrior Award, uh, for uh, behind-the-scenes employees rather than uh, people who just show simply just show perseverance, etc. Uh, and it was he um, he referenced a backstage employee, a guy by the name of Jimmy Miranda. Who was uh, who sadly passed away at the age of thirty nine? But he was a, a very big company man. He was uh, he was with the company for over twenty plus years, and his highest achievement was he uh, became head of merchandising. And Warrior uh, said that he wanted to name the award the Jimmy Miranda Award because it was a guy who worked effortlessly behind the scenes. Uh, for he put in his shift, he worked his way up to the top. But obviously, he wasn't there to really sort of commemorate it because he, because of his uh, unfortunate, untimely death. He was only thirty-nine as well. Bless him. I mean, see if they did. See if they did that. 
mean, that would be the perfect way of getting Jim Johnson into the Hall of Fame. Oh, mm. yeah. Because I, there's not I, st- many- I still think there's space for him. Yeah. It wasn't just Warrior oh, that... He needs to get oh, yeah, there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't yeah. just Warrior that endorsed him as well. He was endorsed by the likes of Stone Cold and Paul Bearer as well. Mm. So it is it, a guy who was generally liked mm. behind the scenes. And But this is where the controversy comes in. Uh, Justin Roberts, and this is like uh, rumours floating around. Justin Roberts, who, as we know, is a former ring announcer for Raw, uh, he was saying that there were rumours or accusations floating around that WWE edited the Warriors speech when it was broadcast to exclude any mention of off-screen employees. Mm -hmm. Now again, those are just rumours or accusations, so we don't know if there's any credibility behind it, but but WWE responded saying there's no way we would uh, disparage anybody, uh, you know, for showing strength and perseverance, whether it was uh, a fan, a celebrity, a charity ambassador, or even just people behind the scenes. I think they they meant to include everybody when they when they re- responded to it. I mean, the, the thing with this thing is, Warrior may have said we should have this award, but he'd been away for so many years. What gave him that type of power to kind of say, yeah. well, I think you should have an award. I mean, if WWE wanted to do an award, they were going to do it. And that was probably their chance to do it. You know, it kind of coincided with everything, you know, his speech kind of... Gave them what the, the kind of way they wanted to, so I'm not really sure if that's the, how much believability there is on that Justin Roberts thing. Purely because, I mean, why, why would Warrior have that much power to do something? You know, I think that the actual award itself is something that annoys me for the simple fact that, like WWE, does so much charity work. You know, you see in the front row, Raw and SmackDown and pay-per-views, like there's always three or four people there for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. You know, John Cena's granted 500 wishes. You know, 550 now. Jesus Christ. Yep. So <laughs> it's. So it's a case that like they do things in in the community. You know that that wee boy Connor. It's a shame that he, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. So it's it's a shame he passed away, but at the same time, he got the Make a Wish thing. He got to <laughs> he got to be with Daniel Bryan. You know, he got to. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. You you brought up uh, quite an interesting subject there. Um, because the uh the same year that Warrior died, um, was the uh the same year the first uh, recipient of the Warrior Award went to. You mentioned Connor the Crusher. Yeah. Connor Mihalik. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, he was the recipient of the first one, and it was also in conjunction with uh, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon setting up uh, a, a charity under his name. It was Connor's Cure for. Uh, Is that something else? Justin Roberts. Uh, he was the one that got in with the family, and you know, was it befriended uh, Connor's dad, and he was going to start the charity, and then mm-hmm. WWE yeah. basically pulled the rug for under him and took the credit for it. I mean, one thing you got to say is, I remember actually watching the tribute video WWE did to him. Mm. My God, it's one of the saddest videos I've mm. ever seen in my I life. Almost, I almost cried watching that. It was oh, it's heartbreaking. Tragic. It's it's heartbreaking, you know. But if they if they type of rumors are true, I mean, it's not the best, you know. I mean, kind of yeah. stealing the using it as a way to kind of get uh, something like that out there, you know. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, but I think you have to believe though that with all these sort of accusations floating around, you know, about the the charity and stuff. Do you not think? Connor the Crusher, and I mean, this is just my opinion on it. I think I fully believe Connor Connor deserved the first Warrior Warrior Award, because I mean, for example, you know, he's poor, poor boy was uh, diagnosed with uh, brain cancer when he was just uh, just a baby. Mm-hmm. He was only eight years old when he uh, when he passed away, but at least he got to see his hero Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania the year before. He won the WWE World Title. I mean, I don't know if people are more annoyed are annoyed about the actual people getting these recognitions you know i think they're more annoyed about the fact it's named after the warrior 
that, that's more my. Problem. I think that's what annoys a lot more people. It's not that they, purely because the points Ross made, kind of thing. Yeah, you know? it's not the fact that they don't deserve an award. It's the fact that they deserve better than the Ultimate Warrior. And that's mm. that's just my simple argument, you know. Yeah. So you don't think the Warrior is the right representation for the really Warrior Award? I really there's like a like even if you called it the John Cena Award for Christ's sake, considering all the charity of what what never, it, never give up, yeah. The, the, yeah, the Never Give Up Award or the Hustle Lawyer and Respect Award or whatever catchphrase and John Cena present, using this week. If he presented it every year as well, I mean that yeah, would exactly. So it's also when Cena eventually, you know, he'll never fully leave the WWE, but when he leaves full time, it's always a way to bring him back uh-huh. at WrestleMania. So always a reason to have him about. You know, that's actually not a, a bad idea. For what? Sorry, for what it sounds like, they've just used it as a vehicle to promote Connor's cure. Yeah, I because mean, we don't. I've certainly not heard of any other. Well, I know there have been, but the other people who've been given the Warrior Award have not been given the same amount yeah, of, of, of credibility. Yeah. As because oh, no, yeah, but I yeah. Sorry, uh, Gary, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say the uh, the two winners of the Warrior Award since then. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I've got them here. It's um, Joan London, uh, who was. Uh, Former co-host of Good Morning America. I was going to say, um, pass it around the room. Anyone know who he is? Wait, jo- jo- no. no, Joan London is a woman. Jo- <laughs> who she is, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sp- spokeswoman for Susan G. Coleman as well, which is, of course, uh, WWE's second charity for uh, breast cancer awareness. Yeah, but there's a lot of controversy about them as well. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean I'm pretty sure the, the two following winners deserved every, but every bit as much recognition as mm. Connor, but... Again, I think I think it's a bit of an afterthought, and as Nathan touched on there, that it might have been a vehicle to push Connor's yeah. cure, and I, I think it's pretty sure it's one of the charities being represented in the mixed match mm-hmm. right, yeah. just now Brits, as well. Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss's charity, and uh, and there's a good chance they win. And it's argued that they're the favourites <laughs> to win. Yeah, yeah. unless <laughs> uh, but one of the other women in that tournament is Asuka. Do you think they'll throw away her undefeated streak for the no, sake of the No, the Miz will take the pin. Miz will take the pin. Yeah, because she's technically already lost a match. She, uh, <laughs> if you, if you, we're not counting battle royals, well, but yeah, if we do, so that is one technically. Well, that's the same thing with like so Umaga and Braun Strowman. They're undefeated streaks. You know, they were eliminated for Survivor Series matches and battle royals. Same with Rusev as well. Yeah, yeah he was counted out. Beaten tag matches, not that. You okay, know. we'll say not been pinned or submitted as yeah. t- is considered undefeated. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, uh, you touched upon the other. Uh, the most recent Warrior Award from last year. Uh, that went to Eric Legrand. He was a Rutgers University football player, paralysed uh, in 2010 against uh, Army, but he's now become a motivational speaker. So, but he was in a he's in a wheelchair now, and yeah, he just uh, he's been a motivational no, speaker. I remember right? that package video. Was like that's what's happened afterwards. If, 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 if WWE could package their current superstars, superstars the way they can package <laughs> these videos, they'd have a very talented roster. Yeah. Um, any sort of behind-the-scenes employees that, you know, we, they get a lot of, like, a lot of the uh, the, the people on the roads, you know, so you see them maybe on Total Divas from the behind-the-scenes camera footage, or you know of any backstage employees that currently work with the, the WWE as a whole who maybe not get exposure uh, on camera. Do you think any of them would be worthy of receiving the Warrior Award, considering it was aimed, originally aimed for behind-the-scenes well, employees? I mentioned the more when people would mention is Jim Johnson the Jim guy Johnston. did the music for so many years I mean that man the, the commitment he put into that company and the amount of theme music that you'll, you can look back on in time how many of them he did you know oh, he wasn't even a wrestling fan as well do you know see that podcast recently mm-hmm. he yeah. was never a fan of wrestling but he still worked there for 30 years exactly I mean it's hard, it's hard to find anybody who put in as much effort writing all these great theme songs collabing with so many great bands as well it was uh, he's a 
He is a legend. And there is a place, as Gary said, there there, is a, there will be a place for him. It's just when <clears> it's going <throat> to happen, you know. I don't think they need. To, they don't need it to be a warrior ward. I think he can go legitimately straight oh, into hundred percent, hundred percent. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, one of the other uh, categories uh, that they had, it doesn't get as much mention as like the warrior ward or the celebrity wing. It's the um, the legacy wing, the legacy in- inductees. Uh, so in twenty sixteen, the W introduced the the legacy the legacy wing. Uh, they include uh, feature wrestlers from the early years of professional wrestling, primarily during the early part of the 20th century. So we're talking late, like early sort of 1900s and stuff. So this is way before like uh, the WWE's time as well. And obviously all of these, uh, they were just recognized with video packages at the ceremony. They weren't given an official induction uh, like the current inductees do. But just to go through some of the names on there, you have uh, famous grapplers such as Luthez, that's another one. You have Pat O'Connor, uh, Frank Gotch, uh, Judy Grable, and a couple others, Haystacks Calhoun and Martin Farmer Burns. All former world champions in their own right, and Judy Grable herself actually challenged the fabulous Moolah for the NWA World Women's Championship. So yeah, very, uh, just to name a few of the, the legacy inductees there uh, but just to um, just to move on into unfortunately more controversy with regards not just to the awards themselves but there have been some people who have been critical about the Hall of Fame procedures itself one being that there is a lack of an actual Hall of Fame building because mm. for the moment um, <clears throat> the the Hall of Fame if there was an actual building it's really just a warehouse filled with uh, memorabilia from inductees past uh, but everything's uh, accounted for, like, it's the same way as, like, um, evidence in a trial is, is, it's all labelled and accounted for, but is there's it, no building for it. Was that the the building they used for the Raw 25 top moments in the WWE Network? Yeah. yeah I believe yeah. so, yeah. yeah. <coughs> there was another controversy a few years ago as well, when they sent, uh, it was David Hartsmith and a Bulldog's Widow, uh, who also sent, uh, was it memorabilia for the likes of Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Bulldog that she had in her possession? And they basically sent her back like, a signed photo of a couple of the superstars and said, you know, basically, we're keeping this, we're making a Hall of Fame building. And that was in, like, 2009. And it hasn't happened yet. And it hasn't happened yet, and they've still not got their... Like, like, the memorabilia that they sent there, because it was, like, ring... Like, I think it was the attire they wore in the 1992 match against Bret Hart at Wembley. Mm-hmm. I think he, she's got the attire for him. She's also got Bret Hart's glasses for that fight. And they didn't send it back. They basically said, this is us now. Is there any reason why it hasn't happened yet? Like, if they, because um, I, I presume I'm, it's going to be in like Tampa. Personally, I don't know to be honest. Oh, um, I don't even. I think unless it's in like much like TNA only draws at the Impact Zone for the simple fact that it's in or Universal Studios. I think unless it's within a different style complex, like an entertainment complex, it wouldn't draw. Look at WWF New York. Like once a month, you know, <laughs> or maybe Steve Blackman or Farouk might show up to watch the pay per view. Yeah. you know, but Aye. that was the only time. Point, actually, yeah. That was the only time once a month that WWE <clears throat> New York drew because a semi-famous wrestler might show up yeah. and the pay per view was on. So I think they're they're hedging their bets for just now. It kind of reminds me of like the WWF restaurant as well that was launched in Times Square. I think that, I mean, that, that was, was New York as well. Yeah, that was a bit yeah. of a flop, wasn't it as well? But yeah, I think it's maybe because. These these places either don't generate enough revenue to offset the cost, or there's just no building that they could say is suitable for all these memorabilia. Because you know some of these uh, 
some of the really big legends they've got statues as well bronze yeah. statues like life-size ones like rick flair's got one bruno sammartino's got one and by god even the ultimate warrior has one i think uh, they're asking for trouble as well just for, have you seen donald trump's Holo- uh, hollywood walk of fame star yeah it's constantly it getting vandalized you know if they're asking for trouble as well if they've got the celebrity wing and oh look there's a big statue of donald trump that's getting vandalized yeah I mean, going back to the sort of celebrity wing momentarily, and you brought up Donald Trump. Quite a controversial inductee now that he's the the president. I try to separate it from what he actually did in wrestling for the simple fact that WrestleMania 4 and 5, he helped fund and host yeah. the Trump Plaza. WrestleMania 23, you can't deny he, got them, the billionaires. Uh, he got them so much mainstream publicity. Mm-hmm. He's hosted Raw. He's been on Raw multiple times. You know, <clears> there was the storyline where he bought Raw. Yeah, you know, so last, that lasted a week. Yeah, it lasted a week because because uh, nobody had any faith in him as an actual investor, uh-huh. and the stocks went down. So they had to actually come out the next week and have Vince basically say, "It's all fake." You know, I'm still I'm still running WWE, but yeah, he done so much within wrestling, done so much to help wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, from a business standpoint, I think he fully deserves a Hall of Fame induction, yeah, I mean, despite, like despite his controversial yeah, views. Despite, well, I mean, for Christ's sake. Some of the stuff he's done outside, you know, I mean, Mike Tyson's been convicted for yeah. similar things. You and know. Mike Tyson was inducted the year before as well. Exactly. Drew Carey was in one match. That's right, yep. And he's in. I think I think with the, in terms of the actual main Hall of Fame, I think a lot the issue a lot of people have is that not that some of the guys don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I think it's the fact that they get in the Hall of Fame before others. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at yeah. the likes of Coco Beware is the one people <laughs> tend to, to throw out there. I mean, why is Coco Beware in the Hall of Fame when you've not got... Like the the bulldog mm-hmm. Owen Hart. I mean, obviously Owen Hart's had other issues with the Owen Hart's wife that came about. China with as well. That's another one. Yeah, there's a, there's a likes as how some of these guys are actually in ahead of other people. I think that's what annoys people. I mean, maybe people wouldn't. <clears throat> I mean, as much as I love Teddy Long, I mean, how is Teddy Long in the Hall of Fame? But Eric Bischoff's not in the Hall of Fame. Yet? Yeah, I think he's more of the company man. Just for the simple fact that, like we were talking about earlier, that company get mad. It was Eric. Eric no, not Eric Legrand. Who was the other guy? Sorry, uh, Jimmy Miranda. So that's who I was talking about. He's he's sort of like him. He was a road agent, you know. Yeah. He was. Referee. He was a referee. He was an on-screen talent. He was a behind-the-scenes talent. You know, he done a lot for the company. I think. Well, to counter argument, I think Teddy Long's indu- induction was justified. Mm-hmm. You know, again, yeah. like you said, he was yeah, a company. So, yeah. He's a company man. He did absolutely so, any, everything and everything there was to do. I'm not saying his his, whole, his induction wasn't deserved. It's just the fact that he gets in there ahead of the likes of like. I mean, you talk about obviously he was the general manager, but. Bischoff's not been in there. The type of people have not been in there before him. You know that's the kind of thing it gets me. I mean, in terms of the celebrity hall of uh, wing, I kind of mentioned this briefly earlier on. I think that the main issue is I don't think they put the right people in that. Nathan mentioned Drew Carey, mm-hmm. one match. Lemmy from Motorhead, the amount of things he's done for the company. You know he deserves it maybe just as much as I mean you yeah. get like Slim Biscuit and that type of things as well. If you're looking at musicians and that type of celebrities, you know they've done just as much as Drew Carey. Yeah. You know it's, it's maybe the people they put in as opposed to Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger was inducted 2015, and all he did was just make numerous appearances on the, on their programming. You know there wasn't any sort of memorable angle he got involved in. Well, sorry, I was going to say you were touching on um, the order of when people get inducted, like Coco Beware. And you brought up Teddy Long. You can't have the top acts every single year yeah. headline because it's just going to get weaker and that, weaker yeah, and weaker. Names. Yeah, mm. yeah, you've got to run out of names. They have to flesh out a little bit. That's why. But even then, I mean, they're, 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 I mentioned some of the bigger names, but there probably is some slightly more up. I mean, I thought the Godfather's one was purely was perfectly timed. The Kishis, the type of things, but there is guys at their kind of level who probably deserve it better than others. You know, I mean, and that time will come, and then 
when they get announced for the Hall <coughs> of Fame, they'll draw in the people. Well, I want to say about Donald Trump himself, he, the best thing he's done for WWE, there was a segment and uh, he fired Santina Morella <laughs> in an on-screen segment. Please don't talk about Santina. I mean, Donald Trump was the one that fired him. <coughs> Her. That's why he's president. <laughs> That's why he's That justifies the presidency in its own right. Yeah. Oh gosh. Right. Um, but yeah. Um, one other sort of controversial angle I was uh, I picked up on as well as like um, following Abdullah the Butcher's induction. Uh, Billy Graham wanted out. Now, superstar Billy Graham was part of the original revival uh, mm. class of in the Hall of Fame 2004. But uh, yeah, after Abdullah the Butcher's induction, he wanted out. He said. Graham wrote, um, it's a shameless organisation to induct a bloodthirsty animal such as Abdullah the Butcher into their worthless and embarrassing Hall of Fame, and I want the name of superstar Billy Graham to be no part of it. Uh, you think his comments justified if anybody knows about Abdullah the Butcher? It's, it's petty squabbles, really. Like, yeah. like, but it's, it's, it belongs in the playground, but there is absolutely no way Abdullah the Butcher deserves to be on that Hall of Fame. He stands for everything that WWE doesn't. And, I in mean, this day and age. Like, even... He was... Even for ECW, which WWE now recognise, even for ECW, he was a bit far out. And there's so many people who like disagree, like, not even disagree with him being in the Hall of Fame, but disagree with him as being a wrestler. Because he wasn't really a wrestler, he was just... He had so many, he's got so many blades, it's unreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The amount of blood that man lost, you know. But because the Hall of Fame's, are, like, it's it's public, it's, it's mainstream now with the WWE Network, it's right in the attention it's part of the Wrestlemania weekend now and him getting his moment does he deserve his moment not at all does Billy Graham should Billy Graham have his name removed no because he's in the Hall of Fame now that's not how it works mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just belongs in the playground his squabbles are like it's just opinions yeah a couple other people have slammed the Hall of Fame concept itself Sabu was saying I'd only do it because I need the money I don't consider it a real Hall of Fame <laughs> Because uh, yeah, that's the other sort of thing you don't people don't usually tell you about the Hall of Fame. Sometimes people do it just for a quick payday. Yeah. Sabu will do anything for money. Would well, I was going to say we'd not blame you, but wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Sabu to be honest with you. If he got in the Hall of Fame, would not complain one bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the fans would would uh, would complain, but obviously, I mean, people sort of a lot of people see it as like superficial in a way, and but obviously the company needs to pay them to turn up. Uh, that's kind of what draws them in a bit you know it's uh, again just a quick payday same with Paul Orndorff as well he apparently he left his plaque in his hotel room because he thought it was just a cheap knockoff well there was a thing as well with Honky Tonk Man they asked him about eight weeks before Wrestlemania and obviously Wrestlemania you know you've got companies from all over the world they're doing wrestling shows making money because they know wherever Wrestlemania's been held is filled with wrestling fans and he was fully booked he was at like WrestleCon he was doing some independent shows and they said to him eight weeks before it, hey, by the way, we need we need somebody for the slot. And they just, he said, no. He went, because the Indies is where I make my money now. You know, I've made my money in WWE. I don't need to be in the Hall of Fame yet. I mean, there's a, there's a few people that's turned it down in the past. I mean, I think some of them do question the legitimacy of it, obviously. Sam Martino turned it down for years and years. Yeah, yeah. a lot of them criticise the fact that the physical Hall of Fame, as we talked about, but it's, that's how it's so important now that WWE get these likes, <clears throat> the likes of Sam Martino in yeah. so that when the likes of people like Honky Talk Man they type of thing when they go to them it's a lot they're a lot more willing to potentially get involved in it as opposed yeah. to like oh well Sam Martino's in that he's one of the mm. greatest of all time this isn't this isn't as bad as we've made it look 10 years ago yes mm. Sam Martino was saying wait what's the point of it is it a building you can actually go to and again this brings back the issue there's not an actual Hall of Fame building so yeah, I think maybe do you think Sam Martino would have been more cooperative had he uh, 
knowing there was actually going to be an actual building because uh, Triple H himself said it was important for San Martino to be inducted from a legitimacy standpoint because he was San Martino was obviously the, one of the most recognisable names of the of the sixties. Sorry, I just I hate that term when people are talking about wrestling legitimacy. It's a scripted sport that we we know it's scripted. We enjoy the fact that it's scripted, and it's the for this to this means it's legitimacy. Like, well, if he didn't want to be in the Hall of Fame, he doesn't have to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm. You know, it's nice that he's there, but you know, for legitimacy's sake, I mean, we were just talking about Santina Marella five minutes ago for Christ's sake. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's uh, go away from all the negativity for now. Let's focus on the positives and what we can expect to come from this year's uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Now, as of today, there have been four inductees, three, well, two sort of two male talents, one female talent, and one tag team. So, just to go through a couple of them, the women's inductee is Ivory, one of the original glamorous ladies of wrestling, or Glow, as it were. Uh, the Dudley Boys being inducted, legendary tag team, probably the most uh, iconic tag team of the 21st century. Uh, then there's also Uncle Bill, big uh, <laughs> Goldberg, the famous 173-0 undefeated streak in WCW. Uh, but most recently, and I think this is probably the most controversial one so far, it's uh, one of the, the <clears throat> founding fathers of TNA, Mr. Double J himself, Jeff Jarrett. What are our thoughts on this class for 2018? I don't think it's controversial. I, I honestly don't think it. Like, he was a six-time Intercontinental Champion within WWE. He went. He, obviously, he went to WCW in the dying days. But I mean, for Christ's sake, Booker T is in <laughs> is in the Hall of Fame, and they always big up the fact that he's a five-time champion. Booker T only won the WCW title when everybody left. So I mean, at least Jarrett won it when there was still some decent people still there. I think one. Sorry, Kyle. No, I think what annoys me with Jarrett is that WWE are playing up that he played a role in AJ Styles, Samoa Joe and Eric Young in their careers. He no, didn't train those guys. No, he that, just owned a company. Yeah. Like Samoa Joe and AJ Styles, I don't know much about Eric Young, but certainly those two would have got to WWE without TNA. Or the Ring of Honor, AJ Styles went to New Japan. And that's, that's the thing I like about what WWE mentioned uh, Jarrett's involvement. It's that... He helped these guys get into WWE, but there was abs. The funny thing is, there was no mention of TNA because WWE still feels like it's competition, like a rival company. I mean, but yeah, which is, daft. Which is a bit ironic yeah, considering it's... the fact they mentioned New Japan Pro Wrestling oh, quite a lot. Now. They, mentioned, they mentioned TNA on it. Was it the Ed and, Edge and Christian show? When AJ yeah, Styles was on it, yeah. They mentioned <laughs> TNA quite a lot. Now, da- Daniel Bryan's mentioned it on Talking yeah. Smack as well. But the thing is. I don't understand why they don't talk about TNA just now because they've acknowledged New Japan and New Japan is a far bigger threat to WWE oh, yeah. than TNA and arguably Ring of Honor is ahead of them now because mm. um, mm-hmm. Ring of Honor they've managed to bring in you know the Undisputed Era like formerly like Red Dragon and stuff yep. but like I really hope Jeff Jarrett brings up TNA I hope he mentions yeah. TNA as do I yeah I'd love I to really see hope it. he does I let's mean, knock down the blurred lines yeah sorry Quack, Quack are you going to say something? but he's got a live mic yeah it's Jeff Jarrett have you, have you ever seen Jeff Jarrett on a live mic in WWE Wait, in, uh, in the actual era he was a bit of a loose cannon at the time mm-hmm, yeah I mean Can, the one thing the one thing about Jarrett getting inducted from a, from a standpoint is uh, it shows that WWE are willing to forget the past in a way I mean Jeff Jarrett's departure was well publicised it was so controversial so it's, yeah. it's a good it's good that the fact that we're seeing these type of things we're not seeing that kind of petty nature with it, you but know? also the reason why they've brought him in I mean Goldberg's headlining Goldberg like look he he 
led WCW for a long time with his undefeated streak and all that. Okay, a lot of that was down to positive <coughs> booking. But we're here sat here talking about Jeff Jarrett before he even touched Goldberg and one of the most decorated tag teams in world wrestling yeah. ever. And we're talking about Jeff Jarrett. So it's a good inclusion, like if we're talking about it. It's not, it's not we're talking about controversially. We're all saying that he deserves to be there for one reason or, or, or another. We just think that TNA, I'd say, is this crowning moment, even above his world heavyweight team. He owned a company that temporarily, for a time, threatened the WWE. To be fair, if you look back at it, he kind of deserves some recognition just for bringing the good housekeeping match to our eyes for the first time. Yep. That was one of the most hilarious matches ever. <laughs> and I, then, as we talked about Wolfgang and Liam Thompson and ICW doing the exact same match, his one with China at No Mercy 1999 was fantastic. And I think Jeff Jarrett was also the first person to hit people over the head with, with guitars. We were talking before the show about who would... Who would actually, no, sorry, my correction, that was actually Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, we are talking about who could induct him in the Hall of Fame. I mean, Elias could induct him in, mm. from that reason yeah. only. Mm. <laughs> you know, you never know. You never know. But yeah, Jeff Jarrett, six-time Intercontinental Champion and four-time WCW Champion. So four-time, 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 four-time WCW Champion. And he won so many TNA titles four-time when champion. he was booking the product. He was like four-time WCW Champion in like the space of four weeks. Around that thing. He was Crazy. in the, he was we in the, we NW, the NWO the as well. Yeah, yeah. NWO 2000. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about some of the other inductees as well. You've got Ivory, three, former three-time WWF Women's Champion. I'm surprised you didn't make an appearance at the first uh, Women's Royal Rumble this year. Because I remember in our Royal Rumble show, we were discussing, you know, obviously past legends that will get involved somehow. I'm surprised Ivory wasn't one of those those people. I mean, it depends on how able she is in the ring. I know she's not old. But like back in the day, I reckon... I think it was around about like WrestleMania like 16, 17, 18. She was one of the only women wrestlers that could hang with China. I just checked. Yeah. She's 56, Ivory. Well, there you go. I don't think... That's I, crazy. I think I, I think it would have been pretty tough for her to come in the Royal yeah. Rumble. She started stepping away a wee bit more towards the end of her WWE career. She was, all, she was on commentary and likes the heat and that type of stuff. So I don't know if she's mm-hmm. maybe got some sort of injury or something like that. Uh, she, pre- like... she presented the, the once... Uh, recap show WWE experience with Todd Grisham out in the, out in a city. Yeah, I remember she did the what, back the back in the day pre-shows, which was the Sunday Night Heat. Mm. She she hosted them with like so like you said, Todd Grisham, Michael Cole before he was in commentary and all that. You know, she was a trainer on I think, the first two seasons yeah. of Tough Enough, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, she was the only one that didn't bully the people on it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, get the tables. Let's talk about the Dudley Boys. Uh, what do we think about them? Very deserving. Yeah, yeah, overdue. I mean, even even though they were active competitors, yeah. this is the one gripe I have with the Hall of Fame. It seems to be private for the people who have now retired or are recognised as retired. I mean, you can credit them if they're still active, even like part-timers. Mm-hmm. Like the Dudley boys, they only retired months ago, I think, and it was on Ring of Honour, I think they retired as well. Uh-huh. It was on a Ring of Honour show. Like so, they're recognised. They're recognising TNA. Yeah. Like, Team well, 3D as well. They could well use they, the Dudley's name moniker. Will they touch Bully Ray's world title reign? No, of course they won't. <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> according to WWE, TNA doesn't exist. Yeah, but Bubba Ray Dudley had a rivalry with Hulk Hogan not yep, that bully, long ago. Bully Ray, which is ridiculous when you come to think of it. Bully, but, I liked Bully Ray. Well, although the aces and eights angle did drag on a bit, little bit. But the, <laughs> no, you look at the Dudleys. They, they were, they made the WWE attitude what it was they made yeah. WWE pretty cool again like, mm-hmm. they had the ECW fans who kind of smirked at the WWE and go, nah that's not cool enough that's for just us cheesy, yeah. but the Dudley boys were the bridge I think between WWE and ECW like, even you had Rob Van Dam later on coming through and you, I mean you had 
Dreamer and Sandman and stuff not really making as much of an impact but the Dudley Boys when they came to WWE they kept what they had in ECW they kept on doing exactly yep. the same thing they had the gimmick with a weapon with a table and all the other things yeah and they were so popular and they they kept that even when they were heels when like regardless of the the gimmick or whatever storyline they were in even when they returned against the New Day SummerSlam 20, not SummerSlam they were all after SummerSlam 2015 yeah um, Monster Pop Bubba Ray Dudley at the Royal Rumble 2015 Monster Pop even when they even when they returned at the Raw 25 the bomb of a show that it was still one of the largest pops in the night mm. yeah and of course without Reverend Devon we never would have been introduced to, to Batista so they're star makers in their own right as well <laughs> did anybody remember Re- Reverend Devon and Deacon Batista yeah uh, they, uh, it was after they got <laughs> it was after they got split in the draft in about 2002 and yeah apparently Devon decided to become a reverend you got a pinfall victory over Triple H. Which is crazy to think. Yeah, did, yes. Queen as well, I think. What a stat, David. Why were you not getting stats like that? You're meant to be a stats man. <laughs> hey, I, I used up all my stats. Uh, Talking about Rod. Almost right at the start, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, tell you what, now that you mentioned it, let's roll some stats out. As of uh, 2017, the Hall of Fame has 164 inductees, 105 individuals, 31 uh, members making up 11 groups. Nine, 16 legacy inductees, 9 celebrities, and 3 warrior recipients. There, how's that for statistics? I read something today that they were talking about Kevin Owens had created a monster in Sami Zayn. I think I just created the monster <laughs> in you just there. You did, yes. <laughs> right, very, very quickly before we get into the last uh, segment of our show, let's talk about Goldberg. 173-0 undefeated streak in WCW. <laughs> Former WCW champion, world heavyweight champion, and most recently, Universal Champion from last year. And collectively, his time wrestled last year was just shy of seven minutes. Seven Se- minutes. Seth Rollins wrestled more than that in Raw. Seven by minutes. Quite a, a by quite a distance. Have you seen the start about Brock Lesnar since WrestleMania 33? Yeah, Rollins has wrestled longer than... Yeah, yeah Brock Lesnar has wrestled like under ten minutes throughout all of last year. No, it was the. I think it's his combined time. I think it's something like sixty minutes. Just sixty minutes. Yeah, because he's had, obviously he's had the twenty minute fatal four way, the twenty minute match way. Just now. Oh yeah. He's had no I, mercy. Yeah, I think they're including the house shows, which are really only. Three so he's wrestled. Matches. So he's wrestled an hour and just just shy of an hour. Just shy of an hour and and in the space of a year. In the space of a year, and Rollins wrestled an hour and five minutes in one night. Yeah, yeah it just goes to show you, you don't have to wrestle to be a popular wrestler. And back to Goldberg. Yes, Goldberg. <laughs> On that the universe. <laughs> I want to talk about his most recent run, actually, uh, when he came back in 2016. He beat Brock Lesnar in 1 minute 26 seconds. Uh, shocker, shocker of the year, no doubt about it. Like, nobody expected that to happen. And then a few months later, beats Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship in 22 seconds. Was it good booking or was it just lazy booking? Had to be done though, didn't it? Uh, the the Owens one wasn't needed. I don't think the Owens bit, one was needed. A bit of both. It was good booking and like, the shock value. I, I remember watching Survivor Series and it was like a standout moment of the year, whether it was good or bad. It still created that moment. Owens, I mean, I understand that Goldberg had to face Lesnar at Mania for the Universal title. That's what was scripted. Could have done it a little bit better. I mean, that was the Jericho distraction as well in that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goldberg could have easily taken him cleanly. Like, I mean, look at the way he's been booked ever since his WCW days. Is he a good enough wrestler to merit 173 and 0? I think it was you said. Yeah. No, 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 he's not. I mean, he just got very favourable booking. And I'm not, I'm not criticising him in any way. He fully deserves his place in the Hall of Fame. And he was like, yep. the Jackhammer on the Giant, now big show in WCW, is mm-hmm. my favourite Goldberg moment. I remember watching that, going, that's not possible. 
Yeah, um, it, was, it was incredible. But um, and even when he, WWE's first run, it was majorly mainly with Triple H, wasn't it? And he had a bit with Mark Henry for a bit. Um, he was in Jer- a feud with Jericho for a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's difficult to book someone who came in with a massively undefeated run and basically built him as like a cyborg. Uh, he, was a, he practically was a cyborg. Exactly. But so his, his booking at the 2003 Elimination Chamber was poor because that's difficult. when he should have won the World Heavyweight Championship rather well, than have that loss. Fully deserving record. to headline the, this year's Hall yeah. of Fame. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, way popular enough. I was reading somewhere, there's a magazine in America, Entertainment Weekly, I think it's called, like Massive in America. Only three wrestlers have been on that cover, Rock, Austin and Goldberg. Wow. So, yeah. So... Fully justified, fully deserved, definitely, yeah. despite mm-hmm. his uh, questionable universal title run. Well, we missed out his first feud in WWE, which was The Rock. The Rock, yeah. 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 And that is, the, that is the reason I have always hated Goldberg, for the simple fact that I was <laughs> a 10-year-old. And I will, I, I'm 24, and I still love The Rock more than anything. There you go. I'll take The Rock and my own mother at this yep. point. <laughs> Right. And so, uh, the, <laughs> so, uh, no, no, and and then oh. and then Goldberg oh. came in, and there was already a baldy man on top of the WWE, and it was The Rock, and he'd beat Stone Cold, and then Goldberg comes in. Mrs. McLeod, if you want to put your son up for adoption, we'll be happy to send you details. I know what I'm about, it. son. I know my priorities. <laughs> Right, uh, into the last five minutes, I wanted to briefly mention a couple other promotions Hall of Fames before we go. Now, because WWE's isn't the only one, we have the TNA Hall of Fame. Uh, and of course, some of the names from this year and the previous year have all, have, are, are already in the TNA Hall of Fame, although in WWE's eyes that doesn't count. So, some of TNA's names include Kurt Angle, Sting, the Dudley Boys, Jeff Jarrett, and the only women in it so far is Gail Kim. Earl Hebner as well, eh? and Errol Hebner as well. Sorry, you might be the stats guy here. Come on, son. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I missed one out. It's not like I missed like five out or anything. But yeah, uh, and of course, because we're Glasgow boys, we have to mention our own backyards. ICW's promo, uh, ICW's Hall of Fame. Uh, first inductee was Carmel, and most recently Drew Galloway slash McIntyre. Do you think? Uh, Drew deserves it after his. <laughs> Do you think Drew is basically the f- thoughts on Drew? That's one, what of, I'm one of like the founders of one of the reasons. Thoughts why, on Drew. One of the reasons why British wrestling is where it is today. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing ICW have hit. Like, they've they've done well with what they're doing. Like I mean, they're not making a like a massive fuss out of it being, being a separate event, a Hall of Fame. They're only adding to it one at a time because mm. I don't think ICW could do seven a year <laughs> because because that would take out half their active roster um, eventually. But um, I mean, you've got people. Like, ICW. The more it comes on, the more people are going to go to WWE. The more people are going to go around the world. I mean, look, look at Viper just now. She's going around Japan. Um, she's making a name for herself in the May Young tournament, and so did Kaylee, Kaylee Ray. Um, yeah, ICW. It's a, I think it's a great idea to like have just a segment of one of their bigger <coughs> shows, as they've done recently uh, on their biggest fight night after Square Go for Drew Galloway slash McIntyre. They've they acknowledged Galloway as well, even though they're even with their ties with WWE like that. Yeah, um, it, was, it was really well done, and uh, the future to come. I mean, you've probably got like big demo. I don't know if they can use the words big demo anymore. Yeah, it's big demo, Killian Dane, however you want to call him. David, can you tell us more about Carmel Jacobs? Yeah, why don't you do that? <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry, it had to be done. Yeah, and, and, and then that was your first Hall of Famer, Carmel Jacobs. I can't remember when she was announced to be the first Hall of Famer. I think it was just a fight, a fight club. I think no, it was. Correct me quicker. This was a few years ago. It was a special event. It was just after she'd hung up her boots, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was just after the first Hydro show. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was a special December event, and it was kind of like the ICW Awards. Ah, oh, that she was, was it, a yeah. Di- yeah, and uh, she. Inducted. 
And funny enough, Liam Thompson stormed the gauge, and there was a stage that was quite funny actually. Storm As well, the ICW can storm the gauge. Stage, storm the gauge. Yeah, that's just an example of some of these uh, Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame inductees, and of course the Hall of Fame ceremony <clears> itself. <throat> it's had its ups and downs. Uh, it's had some controversy, but I think we can all agree it's the highest accolade you can achieve as a WWE superstar. Who do you think we'll see in the Hall of Fame either next year or in a couple of years' time? So let's go around the panel. Let's see who do we think will be in a future Hall of Fame within the next one or two years. Nathan, the way that the UK scene is going, how they're buying like, like that into it. Obviously, we've touched upon his family might not get on the W just now, but I think British Bulldog mm-hmm. is a name that could go in future. Uh, Ross, uh, set piece King Ross. What do you have for us? Sorry, I put the mic to there just to give him the chance. But yeah, after my wee rant, and I'm probably going to be locked at the house tonight. But uh, <laughs> I think The Rock is going to be a headliner. I understand why they're holding him back for the simple fact that he's just going to become a bigger and bigger and bigger star outside of wrestling, mm-hmm. and he's already done everything there is to do in wrestling. So it's just a it's a way to bring him back mm-hmm. in a few years' time. And I honestly don't see how you can not have him within at least the next five years. Mm-hmm. Headline in a class. Gaz, what do you have? Um, I mean, for everything that he's done and what he's brought, I mean, William Regal. Yeah, I was uh, 100%. I mean, he's made NXT what it is just now. Mm-hmm. He's the reason why so, so many of the NXT superstars are getting all the way up to the mid card in the main roster. Um, <laughs> I mean, like. Uh, and obviously he was one of the first technical <clears throat> wrestlers to make it to the mainstream never held the world title either never held never held the world title he's he's one of the people you speak about like, who are the best wrestlers that have never won a, a world title and Roddy Piper's like numero uno there and William Regal's right up there as well I mean he you remember I, I always re- remember him being like the European champion that's, mm-hmm. that's what always resonates with me back in the attitude like the, the, the later days of the attitude era but in the ring out the ring like He's a genius. Same guy. It's about. I don't. I don't know if they're holding back on him because of NXT, and when he steps down because of talks of Triple H taking over the reins of NXT, I don't know if he's going to be a manager of it mm. or if they're going to shift it from William Regal. But I think as soon as he steps away, well, JR, JR and King stuck around for years after they got inducted. You know, they were still active commentators. Yeah, so I don't see I, why Regal I, shouldn't get involved, yeah, but I, also I, still be NXT general manager. And I touched on that as well. I think people who are still active members in in the WWE. Um, deserve to be put in regardless of whether they're not so yeah William Regal Stephen short but sweet kind of similar to William Regal I've got to go with Goldust Gold. he's done so mm. much for that company he's so underrated as a performer yeah, I'll go with Goldust agreed Quacko any any names you want to throw in uh, Fit Finlay Fit Finlay good one yeah nice shout yeah trainer but yeah the one I had to mind I can't believe none of you mentioned this guy though The Undertaker I mean He's he supposedly retired last year. He's been going in the industry for very nearly 30 years now. Ar- arguably one of the faces of WWE's Mount Rushmore. A very, probably one of the most recognisable names of all. I think he would be the ideal headliner for, say, maybe 2020, maybe. I'm not sure 2019 yeah, would be his year. But yeah. de- if not next year, probably the year before. It would have to be when he fully confirms his retirement because he's going to have to break character for yeah. it mm-hmm. uh, that's, I think that's the main thing I'm curious to listen still... to his I'm curious to listen to his speech you know will he turn up in his black robe exactly. with his hood up with his hat on or will he just come out as Mark Calloway and I'll just um, add another name there just to the fray Paul Heyman yeah. Paul oh, Heyman yeah, add, Paul, yeah. add Heyman yeah, yeah great shout 
But yeah, lots of great names I think we can all agree on should be inducted in the Hall of Fame. And I think we'll look forward to it uh, this year when it comes around. But anyway, that's going to conclude things here for this episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to go back through our archives, listen to some past episodes. You can do this by going to iTunes Podcasts on an Apple device or on CastBox FM for PC and Android. And you can follow us on Twitter at Suplex Retweet. Like our Facebook page, give us any messages, comments, feedback. Let us know if there's any topics you want to discuss and if you have any thoughts about who should be in the Hall of Fame uh, in future years or if you have any comments on the Hall of Fame in general, please message to us. We'd love to hear from you. But uh, for now, that's going to do uh, do it for this, uh, this episode. So from the guys here at uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, uh, I've been the king of kayfabe, the modern-day Maharaja, David Hockney, and a esteemed thanks to my panel, Nathan. Goodbye. Ross. Right, catch you. Gary. See you later. And Stephen. See ya. Uh, stay tuned next week when we'll be discussing the best and worst of WrestleMania. So we'll see you then, and uh, see you next week. Good night.